Lord, we thank You that You have conquered death. Death is the darkest thing. You've conquered it. You've risen. And Your Word says that we're one with You. That You dwell within us. That we're children of the living God. And so, Lord, we pray that You'd bring that light, that death and darkness conquering light, to bear even more fully on our hearts and into our lives this morning. We do pray, Lord, as we worship You, as we pray to You, as we listen to Your Word, would You shine Your light? Lord, You know the places in our hearts and lives where the enemy pushes, tries to bring darkness, tries to bring fear, but we're Yours. We're Yours, Jesus. We belong to You, body and soul, in life and in death. And so, Lord, strengthen that comfort in our hearts this morning. And strengthen us for life in You. We love You, Lord. Amen. Friends, receive these words as God's greeting to us this morning. They come from 1 John. The words I just prayed. John says, See what great love the Father has lavished, has, has poured out on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. So receive this greeting, children of God. Grace Mercy and peace are your eternal inheritance as a child of God. Amen. I invite you to take many moments to greet each other with the love of the Lord. Love endures forever. Lord, we wait in your presence, eyes on you, worshiping you. Amen. The children may continue in worship at this time with their leaders. They're dismissed to go up through fourth grade. And I'm going to ask Pastor Dave and Ann. Pastor Dave and Ann. Yes. And the family. Your family is going to children's worship or... Yeah, whoever is still in this room is, that's of the Wester family is invited to come forward. Um, we're going to talk about worshiping a moment, not just singing our worship here in the service, but every day, our lives in worship. And one of the ways that we worship the Lord is by serving Him and using our gifts. And Pastor Dave um, has been given gifts to preach and teach and pray and love people of other nationalities. And so we are getting ready to commission him as a church because he's heading to South Korea on Thursday and will be a part of a team that's going to be serving pastors and ministry leaders from China. They, the Chinese will be traveling to this location in South Korea where they can um, receive teaching and training and equipping in the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, um, prayer gifts, I think, is on the docket for this time. 
Um, would you tell us for just a moment, last year you were there with this same team ministering. What were some of your observations of the leaders that came? Um, I'm 38 years old, which I think is pretty young. And so when I went to join this team, um, I, was, uh, I was a little bit intimidated, even though uh, many of you know that I, Anna and I and uh, Sarah was born in China. Um, Anna and Sarah and Peter and I lived in China for a couple of years, spoke a little bit of Chinese, had some experience with the Chinese church, but came in as a part of this team, and I was one of the younger members on the leadership team, and I thought I'm going to be um, leading uh, a lot of pastors and evangelists and church planners that are older than me. And what, what I was really surprised is that I was older than most of them. That, that, that um, the majority of them were in their 20s. And um, some of them had been serving the Lord in full-time ministry since they were 17, 18 years old. So they're doing that, um, serving the Lord with all their heart, but with very little um, theological education. And so the church in China is um, wide, but the, Chinese, the, the leadership in the Chinese church complains that it's also in many places shallow. Um, that, that there's uh, a lot of cults that pop up in China because uh, there's nothing... Um, to, there's, there's a lot less to prevent that um, from occurring. So that was one of the, the things that I observed. The, the leaders were young. The leaders needed education. Uh, a second thing I observed is that um, they were more afraid of the person and work of the Holy Spirit than much of the Protestant evangelical church in the United States is because they also have had really bad experiences with abuses around the work of the Holy Spirit. And so it really took um, for them, like it takes for many of us, a lot of systematic um, training, biblical and theological training, before we could do any exercises with them in which we'd invite God to speak or to move in particular ways and wait on the Lord. Uh, and, and so it was beautiful to see trust develop in them as they opened up to the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the third thing that I've observed, that many observe about the Chinese, is that they just work incredibly hard. Asian work ethic is well known around the world. And when the Chinese um, come to Christ, they serve him with their whole hearts. But like so many of the leaders that Pastor Gina and I um, meet across North America when we teach, they come in burnt out, dry, um, because they're working in their own strength much of the time. And they aren't aware always of the ways that God would work with them in the power or the gifts of his spirit. So it was a real delight to see the, the, these young leaders um, begin to um, not only trust the teaching, um, and, but to also to learn about the work of the Holy Spirit. But then uh, a last thing I'd say that was really beautiful was seeing them come together as a group because they came from many different places in China, didn't know each other. And as Christians in China and as churches, it's a whole lot more difficult to be um, open about your faith and to connect with other believers because you can't organize uh, or advertise yourselves on the Internet. You can't have public gatherings the same way that we can. And so it, being a Christian in China, even though there's some, anywhere from 70 to 120 million of them, depending on who you ask, is a lot more of an isolating experience than it is here. And so that was a, a safe place for them to, um, to experience Christian fellowship and we um, really just experienced that from the first night where we were in worship and um, one of our own worship leaders um, got a, 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 some guidance from the Lord about how, 
how um, this, this group of people was just so tired and um, also had had their, just their guards up. They're constantly on guard, you know. And um, he just spoke out, we want you to know that this is a safe place for you. It's a place where you can rest in the Lord and that we're here, we're, ser- we're your servants and we're here to serve you. And, and, and it was like a quarter to a third of the group just broke and started weeping just at that word. Just started weeping because the Lord had identified, you know, what was going on in their hearts. So really looking forward to um, more, more of the Lord's caring work for them and then equipping work. So we have um, the responsibility as ascending church to pray a commissioning for them and then to continue to pray. And so I'll send out some email prompts of some specific ways that we can pray um, throughout the time that he's gone. You're going to be gone for about 12 days, 12 days which means Anne and the children will be home and need the Lord's blessing, protection, and um, encouragement. So um, I'm going to invite any of you that would like to come and circle around them and lay hands on them, and we're going to pray a commissioning. And so um, if you feel led to do that, or you may pray from your seat, but those that feel led may come up and join us in a circle here. Lord, I'd like to just, uh, first of all, thank Pastor Dave for being able to do this and help these pastors that are out there. I'd like to bless him on his travels. May he be safe. May his health stay good. So that may he, he may be able to teach the good word, and may his words be that from the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you that uh, you have given us this great opportunity to pray and uh, cover Dave and his family with uh, the prayers that come from you, Lord. Thank you that we can be ascending church and that Dave is willing to go to be our missionary in the faraway places. We ask, Lord, that you will be with the congregation while he is away, and especially with his family. We ask this in your name. Father God, I pray that while Dave is ministering to others, he will remember to take time alone with you every morning to to be nourished and strengthened. And so we commission you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Anne, we bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and grant you his peace, his strength, I pray particularly for Pastor Dave's back, that it would not give him problems on that 20-hour flight. Lord, would you strengthen him in his inner core? Lord, would you strengthen his heart? Lord, would you give him every gift that's needed for the ministry that you know lays ahead? Lord, he thinks he knows, but yet there's always these extra assignments and things that you throw in there. And so, Lord, would you help him to be flexible and to stay in step with your Holy Spirit? Lord, would you glorify yourself? Would you strengthen the church leaders that are coming? Lord, would you equip them fully for the works that they have to do in China and all the missionaries that they're going to raise up 
and send out to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we pray that you have continued to bring into our congregation, Lord, as we celebrate new births. Lord, we um, are grateful to see Kay and Ryan back, Lord, um, newly married and back in church. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for Amanda and Travis's wedding yesterday. We pray you would bless them um, as they honeymoon and return back. Lord, we thank you for the joy of being able to share our um, our joys and our griefs, those things that make us sad, those things that um, we have needs. Lord, thank you that you give us a community, a church family. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us as a family to love each other well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That is our prayer as we open up your word, Lord, that you would use this word and the work of your Holy Spirit to kindle and to strengthen faith in our hearts, that you would not look at us in any way, shape, or form as an unbelieving generation or as an unbelieving people, but that we would be, by your grace, a faithful people. And so we pray, Lord, uh, come and speak, and we Also pray, Lord, come and bind anything that would resist the work of your Spirit. And so, Jesus, because you've given us authority to bind and to loose, I bind anything that would distract from your word, anything that would take away glory from you, anything that would um, prevent us from being fully awake and attentive, anything that would uh, come against your good work. Jesus, do your good work in our hearts and lives, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke. Chapter 9, 37 to 43, we're making our way through the Gospel of Luke. And what page is it on? Who's got 1612? Thanks, Alex. The text begins with the words, the next day, and that would be the day after that uh, Jesus, Peter, James, and John were up the mountain. Jesus had taken them up to pray with him, and uh, Elijah and Moses had appeared to him, uh, strengthened him. God had spoken his blessing over Jesus. This is my son, whom I love. Pay attention to him. And uh, they had been in the presence of the Lord. Jesus had been shining with the glory of God, and now they're coming back down the mountain because there's more work to do. And Jesus' mission and his ministry aren't finished. And so we read from Luke, the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, 
I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him, and it's destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. They were all amazed at the greatness of God. The Word of God. As I began to look at this text, I, I, I began thinking to myself, oh, this might finally be the ideal time uh, to tell a story that happened two years ago. This text is, um, I should mention, it's, it's echoed in the Gospel of Mark. Actually, Luke used Mark as his source, and so Mark tells the story originally. And in Mark, Jesus debriefs with his disciples afterwards, and they say to him, Lord, why couldn't we drive that spirit out? And Jesus says, this, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. And so as I began to reflect on the text, I thought, well, maybe this is the time, the ideal time to tell a story that I've told bits and pieces of, uh, namely when I was teaching in Alberta a couple of years ago, and um, one evening as a, a, a ministry team was being formed to minister to a middle-aged woman, um, I, leaving the room, had felt the spirit impress on my spirit, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. And um, then the next day's events that transpired. And I thought, well, perfect. This, the stories are parallel. And here's this, here's this illustration. But you know what happened? What happened was the more time that I spent with this text, the more I realized that actually deliverance is not the main thing. Deliverance is the story that frames the text. But the main thing that's happening here, the main thing that, that Luke wants us to hear, is actually Jesus' agony and Jesus' lament. Jesus is in pain. How long? How long must I bear with you? Now, we don't often see Jesus as um, in this kind of agony or upset or angry, you might say, in the Gospels. And when we do see Jesus angry, it's usually at a different segment of people. It's the religious leaders who lay heavy loads on those who would try to know God. The, Jesus calls them hypocrites and play actors, and, and they're empty and they're dry on the inside. But with these words, he's directing them. He, he uses the word generation, which can also be translated people. And they're directed at his disciples, his own followers. And he's calling his followers unbelieving and perverse or twisted. Why is Jesus so upset? What is, what is making him so angry? This is what's making Jesus so upset. Luke 9, verse 1, earlier in this chapter, we heard, Jesus, we heard Luke say, And Jesus gave them power and authority to drive out all demons. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons. Okay? 
So he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, and they couldn't drive out this spirit. So the disciples had a struggle. They had a struggle doing the work of ministry that Jesus had given them. So are we hearing that it's not okay that Jesus would be impatient with us as his followers having a struggle to engage in the ministries that he calls us to? Because Jesus, Hebrews tells us, is the image, the perfect image of the invisible God. And the rest of Scripture really portrays God as slow to anger and overflowing with compassion and patience. So these aren't lining up just yet, are they? Why is Jesus angry? Is it because they're having a struggle? No, it's not because they're having a struggle. It's fine to struggle in the ministries that Jesus calls us into as we work with him. So what's the problem? The problem is they quit struggling. They quit. They weren't engaged in attempting to deliver this young man from evil when Jesus came down the mountain. They tried. They tried to drive out the Spirit. They failed. And they quit. And see, what quit, what's so bad about quitting in this circumstance is what it says about the character of God that they represent. Because quitting says either God is not able to drive out this spirit. He does not have the ability. And Satan is actually, in this circumstance, more powerful than God. Or, he has the ability to drive out the spirit, but he's not willing to drive it out He's not willing to drive out evil from someone who's actually coming to him and saying, help deliver me from evil. Quitting says, God is not able or God is not willing. They did not press on. They did not press in. They did not ask God for guidance. They quit. You know what that's like? That's like firefighters. Let's say Lexington School is still in use and it's burning. And the firefighters come and they're watching some little girls screaming in a third floor window. And they try three different ways to get up and they can't. And so then they just say, you know what? We can't get her. And so we're going back to the station. That's like a doctor a medical doctor attempting to perform surgery to, to, to remove something or cure something, and he's got a patient on the table and he spends six, seven, eight hours working on this surgery and he just can't seem to get it out. There's no way to him to get it out. And so the patient's still alive and breathing on the table and the doctor says, I can't do it. I'm going home. I'm hungry. I need... You know, I, I need some rest. Both of those are unthinkable for people in those professions. They swear, medical doctors swear, don't they, this Hippocratic oath to do everything in their power and ability that while there's still life and breath and hope that they will work to sustain that. And yet here are these representatives of the living God giving up on God's ability to bring full and complete deliverance from evil. This is why Jesus is in so much agony. Because in about 12, 13, 14 verses after this, we're going to read these words. 
And when the time had come, or as the time came, for him to return to heaven, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem and resolutely made his way there. He's nearing the end of his earthly ministry. He's been working with these guys for two and a half, maybe two and nine months. And is it the case that Jesus, coming down from the mountain, strengthened for what's about to happen? He knows what's going to happen as he goes to Jerusalem. Is it the case that Jesus, who's been working with these guys for this long, they've been apprenticed to him, is it the case that they still do not yet know God well enough that he, to know that He would be willing and able to work through them to bring about this deliverance? Luke ends the text by saying, Jesus rebuked and healed, and they all stood amazed. But should they be amazed? We look at that and we go, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Really? Thankful, Yes. But you know what amazed has, has the connotation of surprised, in awe, astounded, like, whoa! But anyone who knows God knows that He's a God who delivers. He's been delivering from the beginning. Anyone who turns to Him, He's ready and willing to deliver. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, bless the Lord, and forget not all His benefits, He who heals all your diseases and forgives all your sins. All and all. And so these men who've grown up in the Jewish tradition, these men who know the Scriptures, these men who've walked with Jesus, do they not yet know God enough? And Jesus is about to entrust into their hands the work of the proclamation, the demonstration, the advancement of His kingdom. The ministry, the love of God the Father on earth. And are they not ready? And so this is where we just turn the camera around and we say, what about us? Are we ready? Do we believe in our heart of hearts, that God is fully able and fully willing to fully deliver from evil anyone who comes to God. Do we believe that? Yes, Pastor. Yes, of course we do. And we're in church. Our hearts are encouraged and you're preaching. And we're, of course we say yes. Do we believe that He could accomplish that deliverance through us? Could we be His human instrument for bringing about deliverance from evil in the life of someone else? Well, Pastor, I don't think God would want to use me to engage in deliverance ministry. I mean, that's kind of... I don't know if I've ever seen that. That's kind of strange and God wouldn't want to use me that way, would He? John 14, 12. Jesus speaks these words. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in Me will do the things that I have been doing. They'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And then He goes to talk about how from the Father He'll pour out on us His Holy Spirit so that we can be His body here on earth to bring 
the message of salvation and all that comes with it, including healing and deliverance, the full work of sanctification. 1 John 3.8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was this, to destroy the works of the devil. And so when we look on Jesus' ministry in the Gospels, we see that about a third of his work, and we've seen that so far, about a third of his work has been deliverance ministry. He's been rebuking and casting out and healing and, well, okay, Pastor, I, 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 I grant you that that makes sense, that those scriptures are true, and, and that God might want us to be involved in deliverance ministry, I, I just, but I just don't see the need for it. Where is it? It's not, it's not all that common anymore, is it, that, that people could need deliverance, Pastor? Well, let's, let's go back to the text for a moment. Every single commentary that I read about this text said that all of the symptoms that were described by Dr. Luke, Luke's a medical doctor, um, were the symptoms of epilepsy. And yet, Dr. Luke didn't say that Jesus healed him of his epilepsy. He said Jesus... He said a demon threw him on the ground and Jesus rebuked a spirit and drove it out. So, is it epilepsy or is it a demonic spirit? Well, yes, it is a demonic spirit. And if you want, um, well, not if you want, I'll give you my opinion. I believe it's epilepsy too. Why? Because remember what we said when we began this gospel and we talked about um, the reality of the kingdom of darkness. We did a, br- a brief biblical theological overview. We said the physical and the spiritual are inextricably intertwined. You cannot tease them apart and say that something's only spiritual or that it's only physical. Okay? And so later on, in, I believe it's the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is going to heal a woman with a, a, a bent over back. And um, he drives out a spirit of infirmity and she's able to stand up. So what is that? Well, it might be scoliosis. And it might be scoliosis that's caused by a spirit. Okay? And so, what about depression and serotonin deficiency? That might be depression and serotonin deficiency. And it might be aided and abetted and or caused by a spirit of despair. Okay? It takes discernment. Not every medical thing is is something that's aided and abetted by a spirit. We're not saying that. It takes discernment. And so the first question for us is, as we begin to talk about the need for deliverance from evil, do we have the eyes, the eyesight? Do we have the world view to see all of the ways that Satan actively works to, as Scripture says, steal, kill, and destroy? His aim is to break down human life, all life. We're the image bearers of God. He hates us and he hates our lives in any way, shape, and form that he can. So do we have the eyesight and the worldview to see his handiwork wherever it is? Well, one reason why that's particularly important is this. That most deliverance doesn't look like what Jesus just engaged in. Most, you know, the movies might like us to think that if you've ever seen the movie The Exorcist or something else like that. They'd like you to think that deliverance is always this crazy um, whacked out thing that involves a lot of drama. Actually, it's not. And, and so this would, be, this would be on the extreme end of sort of the physical manifest, the physical symptoms where, where he's thrown on the ground and um, oftentimes in the gospel we hear that, that people shriek when they come out. 
but what would it look like for someone to need deliverance that that didn't look exactly like this? Well, have you have you ever had a friend come to you or a, a family member or a coworker or anyone and say anything like this? You know, if I'm really honest with you, I, I've got a share that I've just had this struggle with lust that um, I just can't seem to beat. It's like I'm praying and I'm reading scripture, but it's like there's just something, um, some drive in me that keeps drawing me or attracting me to uh, whatever illicit thing the person's engaging in, whether it's pornography or extramarital sex or whatever it is. Or someone saying something like, you know, I've never really truly been able to love myself. I actually, I think I, I kind of hate who I am. Or someone saying, you know, I've, I've, um, I've just gone from dark to darker and low to lower and I'm, I'm having thoughts of ending my life. Or someone saying something like, I want to let people get close to me, but I just can't. It's like I have these barriers and these guards and these walls around, all around my heart. And so well, I actually reject people before they reject me. I keep them at bay. The list goes on and on. I could describe countless dozens and hundreds of ways that we get wounded as human beings, that we get hurt, and that we engage in sin. But every one of the people that I just experienced definitely needs healing. And some of them might need deliverance. Because as we also said earlier on, when the wounds get big enough, the lies get embedded. That becomes the fertile ground for the work of the demonic to attach and just to begin to work. And so it's as simple as, I won't, re- I won't forgive so-and-so who hurt me. If, if a person will not forgive, they're in the bondage of bitterness and unforgiveness. That is fertile ground. That is, um, resi- that's clear resistance to the revealed will of God that says, forgive as you've been forgiven. And if you say, no God, you're saying what? Yes, Satan. Anytime we say yes for a prolonged period of time, again, that's an open door. So, back to the bigger picture, back to the question. Are we those disciples of Jesus through whom Jesus can work through to bring about the fullness of His healing, sanctifying, making holy, filling with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Have you got a vision of what it looks like for a person to be renewed in the image of God? Have you got a vision of what it looks like when the Holy Spirit fills with the fruit of the Spirit? A life full of God's love, God's joy, and God's peace? Because if you've got that vision of what that looks like, than anything else, you'll be able to see against that, against that backdrop as there's something going on here that's taking away, that's stealing, that's sucking life from. What is it? So are we those who are able to hear people's stories, hear their confessions, hear their pain, pray with them, and when necessary, involve ourselves in the work of deliverance? Now, here's what we need to hear this morning. That Jesus' disciples 
didn't go from zero to 60 overnight. Okay? They didn't start following Jesus and then um, the next day end up in this position where they were being asked to do this work of deliverance. Jesus works with all of us and he grows us step by step. Step by step. So they were apprenticed to Jesus. And they were already learning things from Jesus about his work of proclaiming, healing, binding up, and of deliverance. They'd had two and a half years of that work. And that's why people were coming to them. Because actually they were being successful in other areas. They were ministering. And when you begin ministering the healing of God and it begins to flow through your life to other people, then people start coming to you. Because everybody wants what Jesus has to give. Not everybody, unfortunately. Many people. So the disciples had been working. And so the question is, uh, really a question of evaluation for us, where are we in learning from Jesus about his work of proclaiming, sharing, teaching, healing, binding, driving out, restoring human beings? Jesus would have us watch him work in and through others. Jesus would have us learn from him. How is it that he does this work? Jesus would have us step out in faith and begin to join him in that work. Jesus would grow us in that work. But hear this. Jesus calls us this morning, church, not in any way to be that unbelieving or twisted generation. Jesus calls us this morning to be a church and to be individuals who have a fullness of faith in what Jesus can and Jesus will do as we as human instruments call upon Him, work with Him, petition Him, keep pressing into Him, keep learning, keep walking with Him. Jesus longs to bring to bear on the world this work. And the proof of that is this. This is how much Jesus longs for us to be able to fully represent the fullness of God's desire to fully deliver from evil anyone who comes to Him. His body His blood. And so as we come to the table this morning, let's say to Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank You for delivering me. Carry out Your good work of healing and deliverance. There might be areas of my heart and life as you're listening to me. You might have heard some of the stories and they might have resonated with you. You might be saying, Jesus, I need more. I need Your light to shine into some dark corner. Jesus, I need You too. Jesus, please, you come with faith to this table this morning. You ask Jesus the fullness of the work of your Spirit to restore and renew. But then you also say, Jesus, I'm willing, a part of my being willing to deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow you is, yes, I will be a delivered deliverer. I will work with you. I'm willing to learn. I may not know what that looks like, But I'm willing to learn. Here's the rest of the story about Alberta, and it's the real short version. I stepped out of that room and heard the Spirit whisper to my spirit, or impress upon me, 
This kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. I said, Lord, I don't know if that was you that brought that thought, but I believe it was, and so I'm going to obey. And I prayed and fasted over the night and through the next morning. I was a part of the team of five that was to pray for this woman. And we prayed for about an hour um, for healing, which involved her confessing two major patterns of sin, one family involvement with the occult, and the other a long-standing pattern of sexual sin. Middle-aged woman, Christian Reformed, born and raised. After we prayed for that, the time shifted from praying for healing to evicting spirits that were given grounds to, to be present in her life through the occult involvement in the sin. And when we shifted, the leadership of that time shifted to me, even though I hadn't been designated leader, because I'd obeyed the Lord and I'd been um, prepared or spiritually strengthened through the act of fasting and praying. And for an hour straight, found myself um, across from this woman, gently persisting in the authority of Jesus, quoting scripture and commanding spirits that were um, speaking through her. It's very obvious. It's like a a temporary um, possession. Until finally, um, they left in a very obvious and definitive way. But here's what, I, here's what I want you to hear. I remember sitting there, uh, I was sitting in a chair across from this woman. It was very quiet and it was gentle. And I remember thinking to myself, this is crazy. I'm right in the middle of the pages of the New Testament. I didn't know that, that this really, I mean, I'd, I'd been taught that this needed to happen. It wasn't a part of my seminary education. But, but I'd been taught and I'd been prepared. And all of a sudden, Jesus had put me in that position where I was getting to do his work. And it was so exhilarating to finish and to say, Jesus, you're amazing. I had such a, I had such a more um, deep and clear appreciation for the work of the cross, for what Jesus had done, and for what, he, for, what, for what it really means when he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and he calls us to share in it. And, um, and I'm not anybody special. There's nothing special about me. That, would, that, that Jesus would put me in that chair and he wouldn't put you in. He can use any one of us. All he requires is our faith. All I had to do to him that, that day was say yes. And I had some training and I had some experience. So what I want you to hear by that closing story is I just want your faith to be kindled. I don't want any fear because Jesus works with us one step at a time. So let's take a step this morning and let's come to him and say, Jesus, we are going to be people. And we're going to be a church that for whoever you bring to us, we will be confident that you will fully deliver them from evil. Amen? Amen. Pastor Gina, would you lead us into communion? And so even as we think about discipleship, because this lesson and in the stories to follow in this chapter, it's all about how that even coming down from that Mount of Transfiguration, there were more steps of discipleship, more lessons to learn. But then, right before the cross, Jesus wasn't cramming them with, now remember this, this, and this, and this. He did something that he would do with his disciples. He would gather around a table, and he would speak these words to them. 
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Family and friends, if you're a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are invited to come and partake of the meal in a moment. Here at this church, we do it all together at the same time, and so we um, will come by rows. And this time, we're going to leave the bread on the table to give you a moment to think about him transferring you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so as you pick up that bread, just thank the Lord that he's brought you in the kingdom of light. And then there will be a board member on each side that will give you the juice. And you take that bread and juice and go back to your table. And when everyone's been served, we'll um, partake together. If you're a child um, and have not made a public profession of faith, we ask that you would um, walk along with your parents, but that they would not partake yet until they've taken that step of faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his great love, his endurance, his patience with his disciples. Lord, even in his frustration, he was patient. Jesus, would you strengthen us And would you turn your searchlight on us, Lord, even as you've transferred us into the kingdom of light. Lord, would you take these elements and consecrate them. And would you meet us in this meal to strengthen us to be representatives and ambassadors of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is gluten-free, and so if you need that, you would take from this. And I'm going to invite Alita and Pastor Dave forward, if they would. Um, oh, that's so good. I wish we could just soak there. Um, <laughs> not what you said. But, um, I'm just here to invite all of you uh, again to the block party this coming Saturday, uh, the 10th. It's from noon until 2. Still looking for some volunteers uh, we have some people kind of scattered across, so we have some people are doing face painting, people helping out with setup, some helping out on the grill, uh, but we need more in each of those areas. Uh, or if you just want to help out with lawn games, uh, anything else, prayer, we want to welcome our neighborhood uh, into the life of this church, um, just as, as Pastor Dave shared um, this morning. Uh, we want to see healing and deliverance. Um, people brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so that's what this block party is about this Saturday, is, is welcoming our neighbors uh, here to, to know Jesus. Um, it's also a time where we can gather as a community and share food uh, together. So 
Um, if, you, if you feel like you've got a chance to look at your schedules or you still need a chance, my, um, my information is in the bulletin, Andrew, um, and you can get a hold of me later this week, or it would be really helpful if you got a hold of me after the service. Um, other than that, please join us downstairs for potluck. Whether you brought food or not, there's always plenty. Uh, we'd love to see you down there for fellowship.